And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast. It's Friday. It's December 1st. Our house elf cuddle arrived on schedule. And Bobby Marks, December 1st means we're two weeks away from when a large portion of free agents who signed over the summer can be traded. Trade season is underway informally. We are about 25% of the way through the NBA season, so you can dispense with the, well, we don't know what our team is. We got to figure it out. We're starting to figure a lot of stuff out. And I thought this was a good excuse to bounce around the league, look at the trade market, but also look at how some of these teams are playing. Dig in to the X's and O's a little bit. And sort of, you know, all of the focus has been on the Bulls. And I think one of the more interesting sort of broader questions is, well, who else other than the Bulls veterans centered around Zach Levine, who they announced today is going to be out for a week, who else that might surprise us might become gettable realistically at the deadline for a win now team? And of course, the Bulls, because they defy all logic at all times, win over the Bucks without Zach Levine, without DeMar DeRozan in overtime in a game in which the Bucks. I just, I feel like a crazy person, Bobby. Every day I check, every day I sigh, and every day I say the same thing in some media outlet or some some media, form of media. 11 Giannis, uh, Dame Giannis pick and rolls last night. 11. Just not enough. I don't understand what's happening. Don't get it. But let's bounce around the league. First of all, how are you, Bobby? Happy holidays. Um uh, happy holidays we both have uh if you're watching this on youtube we've got green on you've got your dartmouth and i've got my newman celtics which is the high school my kids go to a quick funny story for you better be funny Before, Bob, because you're, you're you're hijacking it right off the top better be funny quick quick funny story my younger son plays jv basketball i'm at the game first game of the year i'm sitting in the stands athletic director comes over to me and goes mr marks do you mind doing the scorebook tonight for the game Sure. Zach, I was as nervous doing that thing than going on live TV. There was so much going on. There was like rebounds, assists, turnovers, timeouts. I said to the kid, Did who who made that foul? Wasn't he supposed to be shooting two free throws? I was I, t- I said to my wife after the game, I like I, I felt like I went through a full sw- like sweat of like a Nets game. I was so nervous doing this thing. It's a big responsibility. Was there an electronic scoreboard that you had to operate? There was, to? yes. There was a yes. There was somebody doing the electronic scoreboard. Oh, someone else was doing that because that yes. that's the one where you mess that thing up. There's a clock error. Like the whole game pauses. Everyone's mad at you because everyone really just wants the game to be over. I mean, let's be honest. Like everyone just wants the game to be done. Okay, um, Bobby. Uh, I said let's pick some teams we want to talk about both yeah. for trade purposes and basketball purposes and. I said, I'll let you lead. So pick the first team you want to hit. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we'll go with Golden State, right? I mean, I think that's going to be the team to talk about. Certainly uh, 9 and 10, 8th place, kind of in the middle. You know, I think 14th offensive efficiency, um, 17th defensive. Good win Thursday night against um, against the Clippers. Um, I don't want to say, I guess, can we call it meltdown against Sacramento in the in-season tournament? Oh. Oh, that was yeah. That was I mean, a melt all the know, way. Because, that was like put put it in the microwave and melt it all the way down to its its primal cause, elements. Because there was a point of me, Zach, during the game, and I actually said this to my wife. I said when they were up, what seventy two forty eight. I said this is why you can't count this team out, right? Like 
a win now type meant right like so it's a they're playing for something you know whether it be you know that's the, the um, in-season tournament to try to get in um getting into the playoffs in a, in a four in a seven game series like this is why you can't count this team out and then all of a sudden things go off the rails here and i think golden state is going to be certainly the focus just because there's so many different questions not just what's on the court but whether it be Clay Thompson, um, Andrew Wiggins, who's been out and who's has, has actually played a little bit better, um, Chris Paul, um, there, you know, Mike Dunleavy, first year as the general manager here, um, is he willing to kind of be an active trade participant? Something that Bob Myers, except for last year with the Gary Payton trade and the James Wiseman trade, really was not. Act, you know, really didn't have to be, wasn't active during, um, you know, I don't think, I mean, I, I kept on writing this, um, the stat, like they didn't make a trade for like 10 years during the regular season, um, which is pretty remarkable here. But I think Golden State is, um, I think Golden State's going to be, um, you know, the team we, sh- we, we should start with um, just because there's so many lingering questions. Like, yeah, I watched the Clay Thompson um, pre- uh, press conference the other night um, when they, when he said, you know, what do you want me to do? Bench myself? And I just feel like there's like the weight of the world right now on his shoulders, right? Not, not shooting great in the last year of his contract. Kendra Andrews wrote about how that's kind of weighing on him as far as, um, you know, this expiring deal, no deal in place here. Um, you know, what do you do, right? What do you do with clay? There is that longest, um, second longest tenured member on the roster, four time NBA champion. There's that, you know, he's part of one of our own, but then you're also looking big picture down the road. So um, I love that you started with the Warriors because I've had four executives from other teams in the last 72 hours ask me just in spitball and stuff, would they ever trade Clay Thompson? And the reason they're asking is because teams see somewhat of an opportunity there in terms of, well, it, can we get involved in a deal? Would they have to attach an asset to trade Clay Thompson if they want to get like meaningful win-now talent with multiple years left on their contract in exchange for Clay Thompson? And this is where I just want to step back for, two, for, for a second. Number one, I think the Warriors' true level as a team is much closer to their 6-2 and two start than it is to their 3-8 and eight or whatever they are since then which has included a spiral from Klay Thompson, which he's starting to get out of a little bit. Lethargic play from Andrew Wiggins, which he had started to extricate himself from. He was getting rebounds, doing all the Andrew Wiggins stuff that I care about before he apparently slammed his index finger in a car door, which if you haven't done that, is no effing joke. That hurts. So he's out for, he missed last night's game. I don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, And Draymond was, of course, suspended for five of those games and ejected from two others. So like, can you just be on the court, man? I know you're an all-time great player, a genius and all this. We all have to caveat it, but like, can you just be on the court? Just like- and it was trending and was trending toward during that. And at, towards the end of that Sacramento game was trending towards another one there. Like, yeah. can you just like fulfill the minimum requirement of the job, which is like play, play the games. And if they, all of that, settles and of course now Chris Paul's hurt and Gary Payton's hurt 
I think this is still a very good team. Like I, I think that six and two start is closer to their true level. The turnovers are just absolutely baffling. Like, like even by warrior standards, including the two at the end of that game against Sacramento are like, how is this? Like, what's going on here? So inside baseball, I'm in LA a couple weeks ago. Clay's just one bad game after another. And Perk in our pre-production meeting for NBA today just unleashes. You were a part of this indirectly. Yeah. yeah. Um, unleashes, like, I'm just going to say it. They need to trade Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about it. And I tell the producers, look, it's very easy for us to go on TV and be like, this guy stinks. Trade that guy. Trade this guy. You're talking about a living legend on a $43 million expiring contract who is not playing well. I think it is our responsibility if we're just going to throw this idea into the air to actually have a discussion about like what's a realistic trade for Clay Thompson and right. even and, and the emotional elements of doing it. To be clear, the Warriors do not want to trade Clay Thompson. They have no desire to do it. I would bet heavily against it ever happening. I don't think he's a sacred, sacred cow. I think there's only one of those on the team and it's 30, but I just it's not a, a bridge they want to get to. And so we we said, okay, let's have a discussion on TV. The initial reaction from Perk was, well, that's not my job. I'm not a GM. I'm not Bobby Marks. I said, well, let's <laughs> let's call Bobby Marks. He works for us. And we go on TV and Perk proceeds, and I love Perk, but he proceeds to tell the world how bad Clay Thompson's playing. And I say, okay, let's hear some trades. Expiring contract, $40 million. I said, okay, would the Sixers trade Tobias Harris and a pick for him? And I'm like, and then he's like, RJ Barrett and a pick. I'm like, so Perk, you just talked about how bad this dude's playing. And now you're pitching these deals where other teams with guys who are playing well are trading those guys and assets for Clay Thompson. Like none of this makes any sense. And I said the only realistic Clay Thompson trades to me are Clay Thompson plus an asset, whether it's a pick or Kaminga, who's just been so up and down that I don't know what to make of him, for a good player on a long-term contract, a multi-year contract that would help the Warriors today and tomorrow because between trading clay trading pool and the potential to get off chris paul's contract they can absorb if they want to another long-term salary as long as it's not like a mega max and you try to look at that model of deal you can look over at toronto which is in an interesting spot and we'll talk about them hovering around 500 it night tonight sometimes i really like how the raptors are playing and then the next night i'm like this is the most lifeless directionless offense in the entire NBA. Um, but some nights it looks good. Like they beat Phoenix the other night. I thought they played pretty well. we'll talk about Scotty Barnes and how they used him in that game later. Um, you can aim at the Bulls, but like Zach Levine's not a Warriors player. Like even if that were a realistic thing, and again, I don't think it is. Like he's not a war- The way he plays is totally antithetical to how the Warriors play. I just think this team is going to have to settle in and be just a good team and... I think they will be aggressive looking at ways to upgrade the team if they're not if they're not playing up to their standards because they internally are like Steph Curry can still be the number one guy in the title team and as long as that's true we're going for it. There's no other alternative. I just don't know what the vehicle of going for it looks like right now, but I think this team is still good. I want to see more Moses Moody. I'm with Perk on that. And in fact, the lineup that in particular I want to see is Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Moody, Draymond. And Pajemski is entering the discussion as a wild card, just throwing up these jump hooks and getting rebounds and making shots. But 
I would I would pump the brakes on the clay talk, and that's what I've told these executives who's, who's asked me because I just don't think they have the will to really do it. I think clay, and then the question that I pose to them is like, what if clay shoots forty two percent from three for the rest of the season? How much does that just correct everything that's going on with him? And their response has generally been. That probably corrects like 70% of it. It doesn't make him faster on defense as fast as he used to be. It doesn't do all that. I don't know. I still think this team is pretty good. It's pretty good to very good. Can they beat? Can they get out of the West? Can they get to the conference finals? It's just a high bar. I just don't know what they're supposed to do. What are you looking at? Well, I think you hit it on the head with Moody too. And I was, and I understand Steve Kerr's logic in that Sacramento game, but Moody got it going and he took him out. Right? I like didn't towards, understand what what was the logic. I didn't understand. I, it. I didn't. I, I didn't under. Yeah, I didn't under. I didn't get that part. Um, because then I think they were up five when he took him out. Um, and then it. You know, we know what happened there. Um, that makes him. Um, if I'm, you know, if, if teams are calling about Moses Moody and I got Clay Thompson on an expiring, I'm like, wait a minute, like this guy might be our. You know, he's part of the, the core. And Steve Kerr last night after the game said regarding Podzinski, like, I'm going to have to look for minutes for him to, at the end of the game here, right? Like, he kind of has this knack well, about him. Well, with Wiggins out last night, they played a version of the lineup I'm talking about with both Pajemski and Moody, Steph, Clay, Draymond. Like, they're starving for a Draymond at center lineup that is not too small and doesn't have two non-shooters in it with one being Draymond. Both of those variants could work, and I want to see more of it. More, more, more. Yeah, I think that the, you know, outside of, you know, certainly Clay, and I agree with you. I mean, I think that's kind of a, unless really things go off the tracks, right? Like things like really heads out. I think Chris Paul for me is probably the most interesting thing because how do they view Chris Paul? Do they view Chris Paul on an exp- as he has got another year left? It's a non guarantee. There's a trigger date in there for next year. Do they view him as an expiring contract? Because the reality of it is that, you know, if the goal is to bring back Clay Thompson or the the goal is to have flexibility here, that Chris Paul is not going to be on the roster next year. That's that's how I look at it here. And you get past the trade deadline here. Unless you're going to guarantee some of that or all of it and then try to trade him ignoring the offseason here. You know, he's technically on the last year of his contract. That's that's probably the my big. You know, if I'm asking questions and I've got a bunch in front of me, that's, you know, the, the Chris Paul factor for me is 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 the one there. And I think he's been good for them, although his shooting has not been. Clearly, they need someone who will just not throw the ball all over the place. And that's Chris Paul. Stylistically, I think the fit has been OK. Like when he when he plays with the starters. He revs it up a little bit. He'll throw hit ahead passes. He'll run the wing. He'll set the random pin in screens that are the Warriors trademark. He'll do all that stuff. And when it's with him and the bench guys, it's more of like Chris Paul ball. It doesn't always look great in part because Saric, who's been outstanding for them, is not like a roller like Chris needs or wants. I wish they would use Kaminga in that in that specific role more like last night he had a couple of baskets rolling to the rim with Saric spacing Chris didn't play last night obviously I, I I like that look I think Chris has been okay but I totally agree with you if I'm looking for a contract plus pick or whatever for player X trade that helps us win I'm looking more at CP than I am at Clay for. Just lots of reasons, size, history, emotional elements, and just I do think Clay 
could shoot 42% from three for the rest of the season. Like that's on the table. No, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, great point. I mean, the, the one question um, that I have on here is, is that, you know, is this roster good enough? And it's almost kind of what Toronto did with Kawhi, but that was during the off season back in 2019. Is the roster good enough to be pushed over the top by a one year star rental? Right. Like, I don't know who that star, like, I don't know who that is right now. Um, similar to what Toronto did with Chris Paul, because when you look at it, they still have, they owe a pick to Portland in 24. That's protected. Um, that likely will probably be conveyed. So you can trade if, if you had to 26, 28, 30, you're talking um, about the, you, you're talking about the Warriors who the, that, the Warriors, that pick yeah. went Memphis, Memphis to Boston, Boston to, to Portland. Boston. Yeah. The Portland, um, you know, to add that one player and then as then who's the one player going out. And I think, you know, listen, if there's a, a $33 million player that becomes available and you have to attach Chris Paul and whatever draft picks to that, um, I just don't know who that is right now. It's, I think it's still kind of, you know, I'm not talking about the guys in, um, you know, the guys in Chicago, because as you said, like Zach Levine doesn't fit with this and I don't well, see Caruso I, does. And the Car league, doesn't really know what to do with Caruso. Well, and that's one of the, I mean, we'll get to Chicago, but I'll, that's one of my questions I have for Chicago. What happens if a, a, a trade presents itself where there's, you know, a, one or one really good first round pick involved? I don't, two is, I mean, that's pretty rich for, for Caruso, but what happens with one really good and it's, maybe it's, something else? It's funny you're saying the one versus two, because that's the exact conversation I've had with people in the last week is, and I don't. I haven't talked to the Bulls about it. I'm. I'm in the kind of a leave the Bulls alone stage. I am right too. Now. I. It's, I feel guilty. Not... Just like I just feel. And I like. I listen. Like I have to always like um, condition myself because I have been there before. Like um, when things are going south. Like I don't want to be the guy who piles on. Like I. We all see it, right? Like we all see what's what's going on. They had 30 assists last night without Levine or DeRozan on the court, like season high against Milwaukee, right? Ball moved better. Is it sustainable? No. I mean, come on. It's not sustainable I'm, in that. I'm honestly shocked they won the game last night because if you've watched their recent game, let's just do the Bulls now related yeah. to all these other teams. If you watch some of their recent games, I mean, I if I racked my brain and actually did the research, I could find a team like this, but I don't remember the last time a team that – whatever you thought of it conceived of itself as a competitive team before the season hit a stage this fast where it was so clearly hopeless and broken and had no card to play for the foreseeable future. And by that, I mean all the reporting out of Chicago has been Billy Donovan is safe. They recently extended him and that's the card. All these teams play first is like, oh, okay, let's just fire the coach and see if we can get the dead cat bounce from firing the coach. Um, they don't appear to want to do that. Again, I have no original reporting on that. I've heard murmurs of the same thing, but I don't know how credible it is, but Billy Donovan's the coach of the team today and they've been hopeless and broken for a while now. December 15th is still two weeks away. January 15th, when some of the Lakers players become tradable, and that's a Zach Levine theoretical fit that everyone's obsessed with. I don't know that the Lakers are as obsessed with it as everybody else is, but be that as it may, that's six weeks away. Like, you just can't... I, I don't remember a team just rolling out there like, all right, here's another hopeless loss, another hopeless loss, another hopeless loss. And like to mention on, on Levine, the next time he plays, and he's out a week now, I think the Bulls said today, watch him off the ball. 
he is just lifeless off the ball. If you wanna, if you wanna understand why people are like, is is Zach Levine listless right now? Watch him off the ball. There was a play on the in the Nets game the other night, which they lost, and the Nets I think set their home franchise record for most threes in a game. Twenty five, yeah. Where someone went to set a pin down for Zach Levine in the left corner, and it was it was a half hearted pin. A pin down might be generous. It was kind of like we're strolling in the same area. Would you like to use me as a barrier? And Zach Levine just like stood in the left corner, like he might as well have he like he just wanted to go to the bathroom somewhere off the court, like just walk off the court. Um, I don't know why we're talking about the Bulls. Oh, the Bulls, the Warriors. Um, I mean, Toronto's the other place to look for these kinds of players, like right on on like although they're mostly on expirings. Yeah, I mean, I mean, t- I mean, we we can talk Toronto. Or we want to continue with Chicago. What do you want to do? I want to. I don't. Well, oh, oh on Caruso. Yeah, so we talk, we started with Caruso. So that's yeah. the question. People have like, do they really want two firsts for Caruso? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I would ask for it. I don't think they're going to get two firsts, and so you come back to this one first. But the what what I mean by the league doesn't know what to make of him is he only makes about ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. I say only in relative NBA terms. Um, is he gonna? Do you? When you're thinking about him as a trade piece and, and a missing piece for a lot of these teams, whether it's Philly, Golden State, any team, every team could use Alex Caruso. Yeah, I mean, I heard. You, I mean, I heard you with um, with Doris earlier in the week, and I know that's been floating around like Milwaukee. We've heard some. I think someone said on. I don't know if maybe Perk said on NBA Day Milwaukee. Like, I don't see Milwaukee. Right? Like you said it. Like they've given up everything. What's they have left? Nothing left to trade. <laughs> but um, do I view Caruso as a standalone? Is he attached to one of these other bigger salary players? If so, how is that bundle valued? Um, it's 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 difficult, but that's the Caruso conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think with him, like I've, I've said all along, I thought out of the three players, he probably commands the most trade value. He's got the most trade value out of the Rosen, who's on expiring, and Levine has got $170 million left. And I think with, with Chicago... Is like you're going to have to vent the the your schedule in the next you know and they're they're fortunate to get a Milwaukee win the uh, um on Thursday night where Lillard was Lillard was bad like I mean I'll call it out like Damian Lillard was not good in that game especially down the stretch with seven I think a season high seven turnovers um in that game but your your schedule coming up is is brutal. I mean, you, I mean, I thought they had a chance of losing nine in a row, another nine in a row based off that. I think at Miami twice and you got, I think, Boston in there somewhere. Um, and so your schedule is going to force you to pick a pick a direction, like pick a direction, like rebuilding is not easy. It's not like just collecting draft picks. And, you know, we've seen teams for the last four or five years just stuck winning 20, 25 games here. Um, but can you try to do something like what maybe Indiana did? few years ago where you're you're parlaying a player into two players maybe you're not going the draft pick route I, I don't know if that's going to be realistic because indiana was fortunate that sacramento was a willing participant to swap hal burton for um and healed for sabonis like there's not like there's not many of those deals out there um at least right now here so I just think for Chicago, like we we've seen the they. The, I looked up this one stat, Zach. It's pretty interesting. Since March of two thousand and twenty second, they have not won more than four games in a row. It's a lot like, of games. Yeah, four games. I mean, they, they they have not they have not strung along a streak of winning games here. So why you know what's the realistic thought that things were going to change and it, and it's not going to. 
I'm going to veer us on a detour for just a couple of minutes because streaks in nine game losing streaks. You mentioned nine. So someone had lost. You you thought they were going to lose. The Bulls were going to lose nine yeah. in a row. The Pistons have lost sixteen <laughs> games in a row. They are two- but a competitive one in New York though. Congre- great. The other, it, great, fantastic. Uh, the Washington Toilet Bowl on Monday was a, a, a big moment for both teams, and the, the Wizards blew them out. They're two and seventeen. Their next, here are their next. I don't know whatever amount of games it is. Home against Cleveland, who is just a puzzle that funky. is is, funky. is is a little funky right now, but yeah. you know should beat the Pistons. Home against Memphis, shaping up to be. A big, big game for the Pistons because after that, at Orlando, tough place to win. Home against the Pacers, who score 140 every game, win or lose. Philly, Philly, Milwaukee, Atlanta. Like, we could get to, you don't win that Memphis game. This could be like, a, what did I say it was? This could be like a 23 game losing yeah. streak real fast. And I don't even know what they're, you mentioned despair and having lived despair. I haven't even thought much about the Pistons and what they should do because I don't even know what they should do. Like, obviously, they should trade Bogdanovich and all these veterans to get more assets. That just increases your pain now. And this pain tolerance is getting like it's getting pretty intolerable. But on the other hand, like I still I don't really have an appetite to trade Jaden Ivey or Jalen Duran or any of these young players as scattershot as they have been because Jalen Duran's 19. Jaden Ivey, I just don't understand what Monty Williams is doing. Like, all of a sudden, he's the 11th guy. He was starting. Well, even, now he's Even even last night against, or Thursday night against New York, you know, he went, Monty went like 10 deep in the first quarter, right? And Ivey wasn't one of them. Asar Thompson came off the bench. Isaiah Wait, what did Asar Thompson do to do to deserve that? Was he is he too is he too good as a rookie? <laughs> like I know he can't shoot. No one on the team can shoot. And by the way, I don't want to hear this. Like I I like Isaiah Stewart as a player. If you're gonna cite to me that this Isaiah Stewart Duran or Isaiah Stewart as a four experiment has legs by and you're gonna cite his three point percentage, which has been good all season, great. It's not evidence that the thing works because A, he doesn't shoot enough and B, being a stretch four or whatever is not just about shooting. It's about playmaking off the dribble and passing. And he just can't do that at a level that he's averaging like one assist a game or so. Anyway, I just, what are you even supposed to do if you're the Pistons? You just like ride it out and take your medicine. How much medicine can you take before the patient dies? You're almost going to have to because they tried they tried to go the cap space direction in 2021 when they went like Jeremy Grant and um, Plumlee. And- I'm glad you brought up Jeremy Grant because I was having coffee with somebody two days ago and I said, what was the point of the whole Jeremy Grant experience? I understand they got a first round pick for him. I believe it's a Bucks first round pick. So it's not it's not that great in the end. I think I'd have to look it up and verify it as we're talking here. Like they got a good year out of Jeremy Grant and then they got an okay second year and then they traded him for one pick. They used cap space on him. They paid him a lot of money enough that Denver, he, well, Denver actually offered about the same and he walked anyway. It's it's not like he helped your young players develop. It's not like he helped you win any meaningful amount of games. And it's not like you flipped him for like a crazy good return. Like, I just don't understand what the point of the entire thing was other than Troy Weaver and Jeremy Grant go way back 
Yeah. I mean, it's like, and I remember reading Troy's comments from there as far as like, like we need established veterans to, you know, have good habits around our young players. We need to start, you know, you know, playing meaningful games. And there was a little bit of a stretch. I think it was Cade's rookie year. I want to say after the all-star break where they were, you know, they're, you know, they, they didn't get blown out. They were competitive. They hung in games here. I think what, what Detroit was, you go into this season, you kick the can on cap space, you went out and got Joe Harris and Monty Morrison trades, right? Two veterans. You already had Bogdanovic. You have your young group here. Bogdanovic gets hurt. Joe Harris is, you know, I mean, come on. he's. I literally uh, forgot the, Joe Harris is on the team until you just yeah, said I mean, I, since I, the I forgot. Since the Milwaukee series in 2000, what is that, 22 or 21? You know, like he hasn't, I mean, he's been hurt. Monty Morris has been hurt. I mean, it's a what you look at. It's like a college all star team at, that's out there, and I don't know where what the, the you know. And you've got a you've got a, a veteran head coach, and that's the thing. Like, I don't know. Like, I think Monty Williams is a good coach, but I don't know if he fits with this group of you know this young group of players here. Um, like, you almost wanted uh, someone who was an ass- young assistant somewhere where you're, you know, basically it's all, you know, you're all development here, but I don't know. I don't know how Detroit's going to get out of it. Um, and you've got, as you said, there's so many young kids here um, that, yeah, yeah. You'll have cap space. And and here's the other thing too, Zach is like, it's not like they're um, Orlando or Oklahoma city or Utah, all these teams that have draft assets, equity. They don't. They owe a pick that's going to New York that's protected. I mean, they'll still have it, but it's not like they have each year two or three first round picks or a, a bunch of you know ton of seconds here. Like they they're for a re- the team that's wor- the worst team in the NBA. There's no draft equity here. Where's Seko Dumboya playing these days? Anyway, I think he's um, in the G. I think he's in the G League. Look, let me just defend him a little bit. The Cade, Cade missing all of last season essentially has set them back a year timetable wise. Um, I don't know what to make of what's happening with Ivy. I thought he finished up his rookie year um, pretty well in terms of like showing the right kind of skill development and, and all that. I don't really understand what's going on now in terms of his minutes. I like Asar Thompson. They're just very young and their veterans have all been injured. And Cade is essentially a second year player rather than a third year player. So, but again, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I just know that I, I, anything rash, like to try to save this season or make it less painful feels like the wrong move. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, 
Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay, full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. Okay, can I pick a team now? Yeah. The second most common question I get or or that comes up in these sort of conversations that are fun to have is, um, what are the Clippers going to do if they're just mediocre? That's and those, that's that those are the uh, that's the questions that you know and and look the- i'm not saying that they're going to be mediocre in fact i think they've looked look they're five and three in their last eight games you can sh- throw those wins in the trash if you want to they're two against the spurs one against the rockets who have not won a road game all year that game was in la back to back the kings on a back to back i think functionally even last night in golden state when the clippers were on a back to back the process has looked a lot better in the last five or six games with harden than it did in the first five when they just looked like they had no interest in like moving without the ball or making quick decisions. The decisions have been much faster. Um, Kawhi and PG are getting many more closeouts to attack and are now attacking them with quickness and vigor, which is the formula. There's a there's a little bit more randomness to the way they play, and I mean that in a good way. Like there was a play last night in Golden State where Harden was bringing the ball up and PG on the right wing realized that nobody was guarding him. He he was, he was open uncovered. And instead of just sort of standing there, he went up and set a screen for Harden knowing no one's going to be on the other side of it. Harden went and took a three. There was another play in that game that made me really perk up where Harden and zoo ran a pick and roll and zoo's playing much better as a, as a role man. And as a passer out of the role, when they trap Harden in the last week or so Harden zoo run a pick and roll at the same time, PG sets a cross screen under the rim for Kawhi to get a switch or whatever. So simultaneously, you have a good pick and roll and a post-up option with Kawhi happening at the same time. Neither bears any fruit. So what happens? They continue playing. PG comes around a pin down from Zoo. So Zoo sets a screen, rolls, and rolls into a pin down for Paul George, which becomes an instant Paul George Zoo pick and roll, kick to Terrence Mann, drives the closeout, misses a runner, Good process. Kawhi's like the process is good. So I'm not going to say that the Clippers are trapped in mediocrity. I'm just saying this is a discussion that's happening around the league because they are eight and 10. The Harden experience has been uneven, although it's getting better. They're starting five, by the way. Have you looked at the numbers for the starting five with man and Zubats? Mm-hmm. I heard you say that on TV uh, yesterday on, uh, on, on plus, like Wednesday. Plus yeah. 68 in 148 minutes. Which, like, I'm like, why? when did that happen? Um, so I'm not willing to pigeonhole them into anything. Their point differential is actually quite good. I think they're trending the right way. People are asking this question because they're 8 and 10, because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can be free agents this summer, because the Sixers are sitting there with max cap space this summer, because there have been no extensions for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. The Clippers are kind of mum about it. CAA is kind of mum about it. They represent PG. You're never getting anything out of the Kawhi side. I can only deduce, Bobby, and this is really a leap of deduction, that the two sides have not found common ground 
on an extension because I believe Lawrence Frank has come out and said, we're talking. We always talk, talk, talk. We got each other's numbers. We text. We're on a text chain. Maybe we'll WhatsApp. We're talking. Everyone's phone works. Well, if you're talking and there's no deal and it's December and you've been eligible for deals for months and months now, I can only deduce that common ground has not been found. I don't have a good answer to this question because I don't know what the hell the Clippers can even do. Like when people ask that question, what they really mean is, would they ever bail out and trade one of these guys and try to restock the cupboard? Now, one of these guys means Kawhi and PG because Russ doesn't have trade value and Harden doesn't have trade value. As we just saw, there was only one team trying to trade for Harden. We know the new arena's coming. We know both these guys, I think if they had their druthers, would prefer to be in LA. They chose LA. They're from Southern California. I think the most likely answer is nothing happens here and they just ride it out no matter what it is. But have you thought about this? Is there some creative yeah. angle I'm missing? Yeah, I mean, on on and I, I have this this article coming out, and I think it's like two or three weeks from now. Like my big front office questions for each team, and that's the one, the one question I said, "What's the comfort comfort level on a new contract for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard?" And two, if the team is below five hundred at the deadline, does the front office gauge the market on either player? Ooh. That's and and that's because when you look at it. And for a team that has gone all in, right? Um, and they have, and but then you have to take the other thing, like, hey, we've got a new building in place. Can we go into this place, into a new building? As somebody's a- got to go to the bathroom on all the toilets, Bobby. <laughs> they need people to use the toilets. <laughs> can can they go into a new building as a basically like a retooling, rebuilding roster here, considering? Um, your last two big trade assets are your 2031st and Terrence Mann, right? I mean, maybe you can, I don't know what the value of Norman Powell, who's got three years left on his contract, because that's really from a trade value standpoint. If there's another one more deal in place, it's Mann in 2030. I mean, that's that's the reality of it. Or are you just, because you've, you've basically have gone all in with the Harden trade, I mean, all your draft equity is out the door. Um, do you just ride this out and hopefully it figures itself, you know, uh, but that's like that, that for that, for me to start looking at w- what the value of Paul George and, and Kawhi is that like, things really have to go South here. Right. Like that's, that's, you know, they're, as you said, they're, they're eight and 10, they're an 11th, um, you know, 17th offensive efficiency, seventh in defense, five and nine, the last 14 played, have played better. Um, strung along some games here, but um, that would be the question internally. Like, I think you have to have that internally. If it's no, we're fine, write it out. They'll, you know, we'll figure it out if we can get a deal done and maybe closer to June 30th, or we'll, you know, we'll, you know, run the risk that, um, you know, both these guys could be free agents in July. That's just what we're going to do. I don't think they're going to be under 500 at the trade deadline. If they play with the juice that they've played with in the last 10 days, I think they'll at least break that barrier. Now, they internally feel an urgency to not just do that, but to get the hell out of the play-in because the play-in is risk and they can't afford that level of risk. And I said this yesterday on NBA Today. like We keep talking about the Lakers and the Clippers because we got to talk about them every goddamn day. And we keep saying things like, well, this team's going to be judged in April, May, and June. You know, we got to wait till April, May, and June to say what this team's about. I'm like, April, May, and June? The Lakers are in seventh. 
The, Clip, the Clippers are in 11th. Like, why are we sharpying these teams into, like, well, we'll see what they play in the first round. Like, they got to earn that. Oklahoma City's not going anywhere. Denver, Minnesota, Phoenix is withstanding all these injuries. Sacramento's really good. Like, why are we gifting the LA teams April, May, and June status? How about they prove it in December, January, and February? On the Clippers, the other thing, I mean, like, linked to all this is Kawhi in the last five games has looked more like Kawhi. And the whole thing is based on, even Ty Lue has said this, Kawhi being the best player on the team. Kawhi being, if not a top five level player anymore, which is what he was the last 40 games of last year and the first two games of the playoffs, a top 10 to 12-ish player. Didn't look anything like that for the first 12 games of the season. So looked more in that range of late. I like the Tice addition. I think Russ and Tice off the bench make some sense because Tice can shoot. And they've benched P.J. Tucker of late, which I I don't think that that necessarily makes super – whether that's neither here nor there to me. But I think they're discovering we can't play two of Russ, Zubats, and Tucker together. Just can't have two of those guys on the floor. We don't have enough space. So I like the way they're trending. I just don't know what the answers to these questions are. Um, Can I pick a team now? Go ahead. I want to talk about the Raptors. Yeah. Because we've been talking about the Raptors trading people for two years and they went out and acquired somebody in Jacoperto at last year's deadline and left a lot of other teams scratching their heads. Um, we we know what the Raptors are. They're just an okay team. They're nine and ten. Scotty Barnes has had a really nice bounce back year, but the overlap between Barnes, Ananobi, and Siakam and the way they want to play is still there. The lack of spacing is still there. Um and the team just kind of looks like an okay team. And, and I, I, I think they, they will look more than maybe any team that we're going to talk about. They're going to look at the next 20 games of as, okay, let's see like what we got. Like, can we get into the top six and be frisky? Or is this just kind of what we are? Like a, just a mediocrity that's going to struggle with this Brooklyn, Atlanta, whatever mess to get into the play in hope Indiana falls back and Indiana is now only one game under. Um, and and we all know that Ananobi is a free agent, Siakam's a free agent, Trent is a free agent, all of whom have value around the league to varying degrees. And in really in this in this climate of the second apron and the new CBA, I think those expiring contracts have kicked up in value a little bit, and contracts like Levine's, for instance, have kicked down in value a little bit. And linked to Toronto and what can Toronto do and what's Toronto going to do? I'm gonna give you like I'm gonna do the thing people do at press conferences where they're like, I got three questions for you, Adam. Here, they're all unrelated. Let me get them all in. Um, The Toronto thing. And just in thinking about the league, there's going to be a player who becomes available that we don't expect to become available right now. We know the the Raptors guys are, if not available, potentially available just because it's common sense. I'm not reporting anything. They're expiring contracts, blah, blah, blah. We know the Bulls guys are potentially available. So talk about Toronto, and then that's the sub question. Like, who else? Who else is? Who else are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you hit it right on the head. Like, does a play on the court warrant that Toronto can be more than a playing team? Right? I I don't right now. No, but we. I think the next, you know, whatever ten to fifteen games here, and then like the big question was always like, Toronto has always been linked at the trade deadline. We saw it last year with OG and Siakam, and eventually they lost um, Van Vliet to free agency. And I think a lot of that had to do with because of the extension rules, and they couldn't 
go out and extend him there. They were 26 and 30 at the deadline last year and added Jakob Pertl. So what happens when you get to the deadline this year? Like, can you take that approach again where you're basically going to ride past without, if you're, if you're 500 or below 500, a couple of games, let's say, do you, can you run the risk of going past the deadline and then risking losing all three players in free agency for nothing? And for nothing means, yes, you will have $70 million in cap space, but listen, Toronto never built has never built the roster through free agency. That's not how they do it. They've drafted, they've trade, they've made trades. Um, it's it, I, I love the city of Toronto, but it's not a hot destination for free agency. Like that's just the reality of it here. Maybe that's maybe that's changed here. Um, but but here's the other thing. So let's 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 turn it the other way. Here's the question. If you're so if you're going to keep these guys, right? If you're if you say, you know what, We're, these are our guys, we'll figure this out in the offseason here. They've got 40 million dollars in expiring contracts, not including those guys, with Trent, Thaddeus Young, Porter, Achua, Malachi Flynn. They've got draft picks. They owe a San Antonio draft pick that's I think top six protected in 2024. So you've got so similar when they were kind of poking around the Lillard stuff with portland right and by the way that pick just to stop you for a second has been mentioned as a reason why well they will compete this whole year because they don't they they um you know they don't control their pick so they don't have a reason to go to the bottom i think they've reached the stage where it's kind of like that's neither here nor there the pick is not going to be super relevant to how we continue but you're going somewhere interesting with these expiring yeah so like so the question is can they upgrade the roster without moving siakam and or OG using all that other stuff expirings and whatever draft, you know, future draft picks they have. Like, so it's similar to like the mindset, you know, when, Hey, Damian Lillard's available. Hey, can we get Damian Lillard without have to giving up any of our core guys, basically expirings and picks here. And I think that's the, so that you're look, so you're going from one thing. Well, you know, we got to move P, Pascal or OG because, you know, they're going to be free agents. No, no. Let's look at it the other way where, yeah, we want to keep these guys, but can we upgrade using the er, everything else? That's an interesting question because if you take Toronto out of the theoretical sellers category, we don't got too many of those with really high level players in their primes. Like you can get a, you can get veterans who are on the downslope who could still help teams and all this. And we can name those guys if you want, but that would, that would be interesting on Toronto. They're 22nd in offense, 11th in defense. Um, I'm just, this is what Pascal Siakam has shot on threes in the last four seasons, going backwards from starting with this season, 21%, 32%, 34%, 29.7%. It's just, it's looking like that's just kind of what it is. And the year, like his third year, he shot 37%. Like, okay, it's coming. It might, it might not be coming. And that has other teams sort of wondering, okay, so he likes to sort of zigzag with the ball and, you know, hold, like not hold the ball, but he, you know, he's a ball dominant player. That's what, and, and part of the struggle this season for the Raptors is the team belongs to Scotty Barnes and Dennis Schroeder has actually been very good for them. It is a high usage ball handler. And it's left Siakam in some games kind of picking his spots and spotting up a lot. He's down to 20 a game from 24 last year, 23 the year before. But he's still, that's his game. Like, just spin and burrow in there. How does that fit if he's the number two or even number three guy on a team 
that has at least one guy who's going to have the ball all the time because he's just better at it than Pascal Siakam if those are his three-point shooting percentages. And more pertinent than that, how much you, do we want to pay that guy $45 million a year for the next five years or whatever it ends up being? It's That's an interesting question. I think Pascal's really good. Fit-wise, it's just interesting. He's been linked to Atlanta in the past, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Boy, oh boy, Bobby. I'm going to lose my bet to Tim Bontemps. The Hawks are 9-9. Nine and nine. Just... Just okay. Just okay. Yeah. Every night they're okay. They're like they're you know they're a team that you know tries to outscore you. I mean they did it in the Brooklyn game. They did it last uh, Thursday night against. San- I mean they're down in San Antonio. They're losing and then you know, they put up 137 points again. Give up 135. Yeah, they they're just playing like it's like just it's not fake basketball. It's just like yeah. what are we doing here? Like just like every game is just going to be. 139 135 hooray for us we all know as we watch the team and they must know internally like this is not a model that is like actually going anywhere um and i bring them up only because they've been linked to siakam back to toronto for a second i like when they use scotty in the pick and roll as both ball handler which he only does about 11 times for 100 possessions and as a screener when achua is the center and can space the floor I like that look for them. I'd like to lean into that a little bit more, but that's just an aside. I bring up Atlanta only because, you know, they traded a lot for DeJounte Murray. And it hasn't, J- come, it, it hasn't come yet. It's coming. Jalen Johnson's hurt, and he adds a, a needed element of defense and just, just a different, like, Bay and Hunter are just so similar in what they do off the ball that I just, I like the sort of wildness that Jalen Johnson brings. But they've got to be looking at this team and be like, man, we traded all this stuff for DeJounte Murray. He's been fine. Changed our coach. Quinn Snyder's as good of a, co- a regular season coach as there is in the league. Good of a coach, period, as there is in the league almost. And it's like we just keep running into this wall. This is based on no reporting at all. None. No hard reporting. I have no hard information on this, just to be clear. Doesn't it just feel like they're going to reach a crossroads, if not this year, then pretty soon, where it's like, if this is all we are, like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? What does that mean for Trey Young? And who would even trade for Trey Young? Like, I'm sitting here look, listing teams that are Trey Young theoretical trade possibilities. And it's like, Orlando's now too good. Orlando liked Trey Young in the draft. They've had a hole at lead guard for what? No, I'm just, no, we're too good. We're not, we're not messing with that. Washington's too far away. Detroit, I mean, whatever. Like I just said, I'm not trading young guys for just a band aid now. Like a sad for sad trade with the Bulls. What good does that do anybody? Anyway, that's just the Hawks aside. On the Raptors, I don't know. Take it wherever you want. Raptors, Hawks, I don't know. What the hell? What the hell? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, I'll just, I mean, Atlanta wasn't one of my teams, but I, I mean, there are questions like, listen, like eventually you probably have to, I mean, you signed uh, Murray to an extension. He's, his restriction gets lifted on January 9th. Like, is it too, and we, I mean, is it, too short of a body of work to figure out does this does, does both those guys work together i mean like that's for me if i'm if i'm going to continually go down this path of being a 500 team does the does the backcourt work right like maybe that's something you talk about in the offseason maybe not right now but like for atlanta like we've heard about deandre hunter they're going to be a tax team next year likely right like so do they start Ooh. doing some of their work now if the goal is to resign Sadiq Bay, who is a restricted free agent, and Jalen Johnson, why is that the goal? That's like I no. watch these names. I'm like, what? I don't know. 
Yeah. I mean, that's like, so, and as you said, um, they've got a pick coming their way from sack this um, that's uh, that's protected, likely conveyed if the Kings are in the playoffs here, but you owe, man, you owe unprotected, you owe a pick swap to, um, to San Antonio here. And they're just kind of like one of these, you know, one of these nine and nine teams that are just, I feel like when we look up in the standings, it's going to be 40 and 42 in April. Sack, by the way, I've talked about before is a is a very good candidate to make a win now trade. We don't need to talk about them. Philly, yeah. I've talked to death about win now trades, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what the Hawks are going to do. I don't know what the Raptors are going to do. Time will tell. But those players have value. Ananobi yeah. especially has. I mean, Ananobi fits anywhere. I've talked about Ananobi as a win now player for Oklahoma City on a, on a, if they decide to go a little bit more in this yeah. season. Philly, everybody could use Sacramento. Everybody could use Ananobi. I don't think the return is going to be crazy if they trade Ananobi, but a couple of first round picks, maybe, maybe, you know, a third good asset and something else. We'll, we'll see. Um, do you want to pick another team? Yeah. I mean, I can, I have two. So let me think here. Um, just mention them both and we'll see. Yeah. In New Orleans and Orlando. Okay. Those are, you know, because. Let's start with New Orleans here. Yeah, we're do I was going to say we're doing New Orleans. New Orleans, I said this yesterday on TV. Yeah. They are the most interesting team in the yep. Western Conference right now. They are 10 and 10 and 9, which I think is great work considering their whole roster has been injured and now of course Larry Nance Jr has been injured again. Yeah. Zion's starting to look like Zion again in terms of his explosion and finishing at the basket, which is to say there's just nothing you can do other than hope that he is so bad on defense and getting any, he just doesn't get any defensive rebounds. It's like astounding that you win the game there. CJ's back. Trey Murphy, the third is coming back here. Are the, here's their wing rotation right now. If all their, if everyone's healthy, these are the wings that are in the rotation. Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, Dyson Daniels, and Jordan Hawkins, who is freaking good. That dude is a gunner and he and Zion have a good pick and roll game going with Zion point Zion as the ball handler. That's a deep wing rotation that may re-unlock for the first time in a while a little bit of Zion at center as as a as an option. JV's been really good. They've got picks to trade. I'm not saying they're like a threat to win the conference. I'm saying here's what they are. They're a threat to get into the top six with a really deep and tough to play team that you might be pretty much anybody but Denver and look up and be like. We're down 2-1 in the first round, and we're like, we can't do anything with these guys right now. Yeah, I mean, a lot of different directions here. Like, I'll just start with, like, the the, the financial angle, and then I'm going to go into their roster here. But, like, all right, are they willing to pay the tax for the first time in franchise history? All right? Like, that's going to be, and I think you are, if, what you have out there, and if you continue to play, like they're a little bit over the luxury tax, but they'd have to move like Kira Lewis to get under. So, like, what is that something? If they don't do anything, is that something they maybe think about when we get closer to um, February? My problem with New Orleans is, and you said, like, they are sitting on a boatload of picks, right? They still have things coming their way. They've got draft, they've got all their own first. They've got this Laker pick that they can defer to 2025, it's unprotected in 24. Um, they've got, um, I'm pulling it up right here. You know, they've got a, um, top four pick that comes their way from Milwaukee in 25 that if it's conveyed, they've got swaps. They've got, they got a lot of things here. Who's the, who's the odd man out? 
who, who do you, who, you know, who do you, who, if something comes, is it, is it Larry Nance in the, in the couple of years he has left is him and Lewis can that package with picks? Like, as you said, like, this is a deep team. You know, you're not, you know, you, you're top heavy in salary with McCollum, Ingram, Zion, three guys making over a hundred million dollars. And then you have a lot of those, you have Herb Jones, you mentioned Hawkins, Najee Marshall is going to be a free agent. JV's going to be a free agent. He's played well. Uh, Dyson Daniels, like the list goes on there. It's like, I, I, I don't want to give up any of these guys. Well, JV has been so good. And defensively, he's been better, I think, than they even anticipate. He's not great. He's, we know what he is defensively. He's been good at it. Offensively, he's been shooting it well enough. He's a beast in the post. He's been so good that kind of like the, like the Clippers' last frontier was can they upgrade from Zubats at center? Well, Zubats has been really good lately. I'm like, like, not sure they need to as much anymore. Valanciunas, same thing. Like We've fantasized about this like Miles Turner whatever trade for New Orleans for years and years, and those teams have talked a lot and not gotten anywhere. Not, I don't think they've talked recently, to be clear. Um, like, I think JV is pretty good. Like I don't know what they should do, but I just know they are perpetually on the verge of being really good, and I think they're back to being on the verge of being really good. No, I agree. I mean, they they've kept their head above water. I mean, they're one game above five hundred with some, you know, with the, with the CJ injury here. Um, you know, they get him back. Uh, you know, shooting, shooting, shooting. I mean, Herb Jones has been really good. You mentioned Jordan Hawkins has been good. Zion's been, you know, good of late here. Uh, I think if they can just stay healthy, I think they're they're deep enough. Daniels has been good, and that starting five with Daniels in CJ's place was very, very good. I think they're going to have to have some interesting conversations about who starts and finishes games. Because if Trey Murphy the third is as good as I think he's going to be, and as good as they think he's going to be, he's just going to have to do both of those things, and someone else is going to be not doing either or one of those things. I don't want to talk about Orlando. What do you have anything like super? new and interesting to say about Orlando. Who's no, the best I mean, story just, in the entire NBA? I have Cole Anthony coming listen, on after what you. What are they, so. third defensively? I think if anything, like where do they see where they are? They um, two steps ahead of this rebuild retool, Like, right? Like we all, I all, I always thought this would be, could be a potentially a playing team here. Who knows how this rest, I mean, we're only 18 games in here. Like, are they at a point you get to, Hey, you get to the, you know, you get to February 8th. We're sitting in the three hole, four hole. Let's, for example, do we start moving things around? You've got some expirings here. When the um, Fultz has been out, when the Carter's been out, they played really, as we know, they're on this winning streak here. They've got, um, they've got their own picks. They've got a, I think a Denver pick, um, you know, from the Aaron Gordon trade. Um, like, you know, are you, or are you just content to ride it out and see where your young guys, your young players are? If I'm them, I've never been more content yeah. since like Shaq and Penny were there, basically. <laughs> um, there are two other things I want to hit before we go. Number one, we never answered my own question, which is who's the other player? Like, besides the Bulls guys and the Raptors guys, is there any? Because every team is trying to win except the real dregs. And the dregs, like, you, we can sit here and talk about Bogdanovich and a guy like Kuzma, who's interesting. And, you know, one of the dregs right now is Memphis. I don't think they will pivot into sort of like any, I think if anything, they'll try to salvage their season. Well, you know, I, I had them down here and I just want to really like Memphis for me is interesting because although they are in the you know bottom of the standings, you know, even with Jock come when he comes back, you know, they're, they're probably going to, they're not going to be even a playing team here. Like, do they become buyers 
They're at only the deadline. Three games out of the play and in the loss column, Bobby. I I know. I know. Is that four and fourteen? Four and thirteen. Five? Um, are they are they are they kind of are they buyers at the deadline almost doing like their free agent shopping like as I always say like four months early right like you kind of take a big picture approach there with uh, with Memphis you know Portland maybe the answer is just Jeremy Grant who we don't talk about as much because he's just Dan, not that sexy I, of a I wrote, player I wrote down on my notes because um, you were like let's talk about on the court too but like Portland the last four games. I know they had the meltdown in Milwaukee. They're but getting frisky. Man, getting frisky. And three of four night. winner, Indiana, Cleveland, back to back. Jeremy Grant last four games, 25 points, 54 from the field, 66-7 from three. Woo, Shane is sharp. I mean, they are, you know, you get Brogdon who allows you to kind of take your time with Scoot, who's, who's back from that injury here. They are, um, they're, they are interesting. When they have Brogdon, Aiton, and Grant on the floor, and they're getting great bench minutes from like Jabari Walker and Jop Reith and guys that people have not heard of at all. Yeah. But when they have those three on the floor and Sharp has a good game and Sharp's been up and down, he's had some turnover issues lately, had a great game last night. I'm very bullish on Sharp. They're like a competent team. Maybe Grant's the guy. Can I tell you the guy that I've been asked about a lot? Sure. And you've probably been asked about a lot too. Yeah. And it, let me be very clear. I've This is just... Other executives from other teams asking questions. It's not reporting. It's not anyone's made a call. No calls that I know have been made. And this team is certainly not taking any calls that I've or making any. The phones don't work in Utah. But a guy that I've been asked about a lot is, what are the Jazz going to do with Lowry Markkinen? And and I've been surprised just because I'm like, Lowry Markkinen is really good. They got him in a trade that was a, a, a great return for them. He's really good. I I would assume nothing, and they're just thrilled to keep him. Um, but the reason people are asking is like, you know, the Jazz are six and thirteen, have not been good this year. Their guards are are turning the ball over left and right. They don't appear to have like a tent pole superstar on their team as good as Markin and he's he's in the middle of his career now, and he's a he's an all star. I don't think he's more than that, which is, by the way, fine. God, I'd love to be an NBA All-Star. You're like one of the best of the best of the best of the best ever. Kessler, after a slow start, has started to play well. I think opponents are shooting like 40% at the rim against him. He looks more like the player he was last season offensively, too. He's a he's a big part of their team. He's a foundational player, not a superstar because he's not doing enough offensively. And so I think people are asking the question, was, was maybe their vehicle to get one? kind of taking a bigger step back this season, next season when Cooper flags in the draft, whatever. I don't, I, I just think it's interesting how many people are throwing that name at me. Have you, cause he fits anywhere because of his shooting and size. Have you thought about him at all? Yeah, I have Um, just because of where, I guess where this season is, is going. I mean, when I talked to teams in July and this was after Sabonis did his renegotiation extension, they said, you know, this team said, Hey, that's going to be the next, that's going to be the next guy. Right. Like maybe not at that number because He's not going to, he didn't sign an extension. He's, his, his number is so low that he, he probably won't. Um, Utah has cap space next year. Would you renegotiate and extend marketing? Right. Like that, that was kind of be the, ne- the next guy here. But um, I have heard, you know, just, you know, talking to teams, pe- people ask, hey, this can, you know, does he, you know, he's out right now. I think he got a strained hamstring. Um, does he become that, become that guy? Because as you said, like Utah is like, you know, they had, they had the two wins against New Orleans um, at home. 
and then they go into Memphis and get their doors blown out. And I like Keontae George. I mean, but there's like, it's like, you know, they've been spraying the ball all around. I think they're tops in turnovers, turn points off turnovers allowed. Um, Clarkson's, you know, you know, it's been fine. Um, Oche has been okay. Like, like kind of okay. who, Oche, yeah. just been okay. And he's yeah. been like, sometimes he starts and sometimes he plays like eight minutes. Yeah. Um, I thought they would have been a little but Maybe we got spoiled from them last year. I mean, maybe that's what happened. Maybe they were, maybe the rebuild or retool was, you know, started too quick here and, and their good start last year. This is kind of, you know, who they are. Well, they traded, you know, the only experienced and traditional ish point guard on the team yeah. and Mike Conley halfway through last season and are suffering the results. The other team I just want to talk about, just want to mention them because all's been quiet after a lot of noise all summer, after a little bit of noise when the Zach Levine thing broke. All has been quiet in Miami, yeah. where the Heat are 11-8, and eight, despite Jimmy Butler missing a game here and there, despite Tyler Hero missing a whole bunch of games lately. He started off great. And despite their backup center situation becoming a little bit of an uncertainty, um, Kevin Love is now doing that job and doing it well. Um, Duncan Robinson is playing sensationally well. Jaime Jaquez Jr., Woo. It's just, it's, it, I saw Simmons tweet something about like this last night. It's almost annoying what a perfect heat player he is. Oh, there's another backdoor cut for a team that really subsists on cuts. He can post up smaller guys. He gang rebounds. He runs the floor. He throws outlet passes. It's just, he's so heat that it's, it's annoying. Um, but he's very, very good. Caleb Martin's back. They said all along. And, and Kyle Lowry's played pretty decent. So, so they said all along. Like, if we don't get Dame, we're going to be a little sad because, you know, it's Damian Lillard. We like our team. We think we're deep. Yeah, we lost Struess. We think we're deep in quality. Josh Richardson has been solid for them. You know, they're just going to have to come come to an idea of, is our upside as high as it was last year? Like, can we actually do what we did last year in the playoffs with this sort of Jimmy and Bam and a lot of quality depth, more quality depth than a lot of people thought they had? I'm not sure the answers that what the answer to that question is. We'll learn more when Hero gets back. But they're a good, solid team. And they are winning more and more than like they got off to. I think they were one and four. So do the math. They're 10 and four since then. Um it's all been it's all been quiet there, and honestly, like, you know, in terms of Levine, I said I would be blown away if they traded Hero for Levine. I think Hero is yeah. just about as good as Levine and on a much better contract. If you're talking about Lowry and Robinson and a pick or two, maybe that gets you in the conversation. But like, those guys are playing really well. Levine's contract is kind of onerous, and like. You can't. You got to stop throwing Hakez into these deals as like an no. add-on and Caleb Martin. No. Like those guys are good. Like it's all kind of quiet yeah. there. I've just I got my eye on them. I'm like maybe they're just going to do nothing yeah. and we're going to wake up and be like, oh, they're up three zero against the Bucks again. <laughs> yeah, I mean like that. That like I you know like some. I mean it's not one of the teams you know that we were going to talk about, but I have you know I've there were questions here and it's like you know I mean Lowry's on an expiring contract you know. You can just play out the season here. I think if you were not, and as I said, he's played pretty, pretty decent. Um, you can just, you know, what's their comfort level taking money into next year? Like that's the whole big question too. Maybe, maybe you just let it expire off your books. And how about this? Even if they just stay as they are right now, where they're just tough as sh 
and they have two all-star level players and some uncertainty around that. And they would say, well, well, what about Tyler Hero? We think he's an all-star player. Okay, fine. You look up at the standings right now in the East and just if you just ask Eric Spolstra and ask Pat Riley and ask Bam out of bio and ask Jimmy Butler, look above you in the standings. Who are you scared of? New York? No, we just beat them in the playoffs. Philadelphia? Yeah, they're awesome. Are we scared of them? Scared of Philly. They're not scared of Philly. Like maybe they should. I'm not saying they shouldn't be, but they're not. Milwaukee? (laughs) Their eyes light up when they see Milwaukee. Revamped with Dame or not. Again, I'm not saying I'd pick Miami to win that series. I'm just saying they're not scared. Orlando? Apologies. Not scared. Boston? Appropriate fear. Yeah. And maybe you can look below them and be like, Cleveland's a problem. I don't know, whatever. But like, I'm just saying the Heat are looking around. Maxi and Embiid, that's a cool story. If they upgrade their team at the deadline, that's a different story. They're not scared of those guys. Like, who are the Heat? The Heat aren't scared, period. But like, they're looking around and be like, we we seem to play Milwaukee pretty well. Don't know what to tell you guys. Um, just saying. No, I mean, and it's all been, you know, and as you mentioned, it's all been without hero. You know, he comes back, he kind of gives you a different um a different element here where you don't have to do anything at all. You can kind of keep the pattern, you know, with your picks for something else down the road here. But um, but they've done a nice job just plugging guys. Um the Yaka's pick has been, uh, you know, he was one of those. He was like, it was like Christian Brown from from a year ago. Guys, teams that are winning teams that go out and get guys that have been in college three or four years, like that's you know who can come in and play right now. There's not a moment in a Heat game, really, even when like Orlando Robinson is in the game or something, where you're like, Oof, it's not great that that one guy's on the floor. Like they just have good players all over the place, and, like, and they, you know, and they've gotten good, they've gotten good minutes from Josh Richardson, who I thought was kind of like, you know, based off in New Orleans and in San Antonio, like eh, on a on a minimum contract. I mean, they've gotten, you know, they've gotten really good minutes from him, also. Hashtag Heat Culture, baby. Anyway, all right, Bobby Mark. So we got an article coming out in a couple of weeks just about this kind of landscape. Yeah, we so we've got we've you? got a couple of things. Well, I think around the thirteenth, we've got you know the, all the guys who can and can't be traded because that's the December fifteenth, and then we've got a big thing that I'm I think I'm in the ends right now. We've got all front office discussion questions for every team, probably like eight or nine questions per team. Guys oh who are off God. the board. Oh yeah, I know. Players with trade value expire. Got to look at everything. Yeah. So we're about 10,000 words in and we're plugging away on that, baby. Bobby Marks, nobody does it better. Uh, I will see you soon over the holidays and um, uh, continue the great work. And I look forward to catching up. Thanks, Zach. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate the both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's macy's.com slash gift finder. 
The Low Post fans, listen up. Have you heard you can listen to episodes of this very show ad-free on Amazon Music included with your Prime membership? That's right. All your favorite The Low Post episodes can be heard on Amazon Music ad-free. But that's not all. You can listen to other top podcasts like First Take and Pardon the Interruption ad-free as well. They also have favorite shows like The Daily, Part of My Take, and Up First, all without ads. You know what this means, uninterrupted listening, so no more cliffhangers. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts, so we know they definitely have something for you. And it's already included in your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free, or go to Amazon.com slash low. That's Amazon.com slash low to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right. Look, all this talk about Lakers, Clippers, Celtics, Sixers, big markets, big stars. Nah, nah. The biggest story in the NBA so far, the 13-5 and five Orlando Magic, who are number one or number two in defense, talking trash. Jalen Suggs is up there on the on getting the crowd involved like a WWE wrestler. They're producing LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Mimic highlights on dunks and blowing people out of the gym. This team is for real. They're not going anywhere. And I'm excited to welcome in a six-man-of-the-year candidate, a dunk contest participant who I had forgotten dunked in Timberland boots in the dunk contest, someone whose father wore maybe the most infamous shirt in NBA history in an all-time great brawl. And someone who was with the Orlando Magic when it wasn't quite this fun. Cole Anthony, how are you, sir? What's going on, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This is this is fun. Are you you guys are this is sports. It's supposed to be fun. There's nobody having more fun than you guys. You guys look like you're having fun. Is it as fun as it looks? It's probably more fun than it looks. I was actually talking with um with Jalen Suggs today. We were just talking about how fun this is, like how just like how winning can just, you know, just make a lot of things better just in your life, just whatever it is. It's just, there's nothing like winning in the NBA. And granted, this is only a small, this is only a small uh, example of it, but man, it feels good. And I just, I know we want to keep on, keep doing this. Um, Have, so for, we're recording this on, what is this, Thursday afternoon. Last night, I did not see your game last night. I've seen a bunch of your recent games. I skipped the one last night. And then I wake up. And I'm watching the highlights, and they're like, oh, they just did the Dwayne Wade-LeBron lob complete with, like, the pose. And I'm like, what happened? So, like, like when when that happened, you finished the lob. You dunk it. I don't yes, know sir. if you can see Jalen doing the Wade arms out pose. Did you know immediately, like, I, th- I think we just did that same thing, and have you talked about it today now that it's kind of become a thing? Yo, I had no idea when he did it. Like, he threw the lob, and me and him had a few lobs we connected on in the past couple years. And so... I just kind of just think he just threw me another regular lob. And then I get to the locker room after the game and I see that. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, whoa, this is kind of different. Like, I like this. This is this is hard. And we like we were talking about today, too, when we was at the gym. And um, I, we, I don't probably watch that video at least 50, 60 times. Like, that joint, it was just it was dope. The crowd was into it. Jalen was being Jalen. He was out there looking like he um, like something was a little wrong with him, you know what I'm saying? But he just, <laughs> nah, man, that, that joint was so, so dope. I got I got the picture, actually. I was going to post on Instagram in a little bit. Did you, be honest, you're, you were a teenager, and even, I think, younger than a teenager, maybe, when the LeBron Heat Heatles thing started happening, and that clip happened. 
Did you, as a basketball fan, did you like that team, or were they like a villainous team to you when they all came together, LeBron, Wade, and Bosh? Nah, for me, honestly, like for me, growing up, my favorite team was that OKC team, and and so it, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I always had like a lot. LeBron's probably my favorite player of all time, but that I remember that finals. I think it might have been in 2010, 2011 when when OKC made it to the finals and played them. I remember going to my to one of those games. My dad was actually doing the game. And I remember just I had an OKC jacket on, which I was rocking. I really wanted OKC to win. It just just didn't happen. But um, now I wouldn't say that it was a villain for me. But I think I was ten years old when that when that when that actual clip uh, uh, came out. So that finals is 2011, 2012. So you probably remember Kevin Durant baseline jumper game two in Oklahoma City. Thinks he got fouled. The Thunder will tell you to this day he got fouled. I think they were down by one or down by two. You probably remember that exact shot. Mm-hmm. I remember. I remember, sure. Now, let me ask you about the Magic. I was, like, lukewarm on you guys this season. I I didn't think this – I didn't think anything like this was going to happen. And you got to sustain it, right? Like, that's the thing. People are going to come for you now. But I'm wondering, as someone who's now been there a while, it's your fourth season there, um, was there something in camp or over the summer, a practice, a workout, even a game early in the season or in preseason – where you thought to yourself, or you even talked with your teammates, like, oh, like we we might have something this year. Man, we've been talking about this since the season ended last year. I feel like we just we got I think it started honestly last season for us. Like, yeah, we had the rough start, started five and twenty. All of a sudden, dudes get back healthy. We start rolling. And like I think we we finished that after that five and twenty start, we were over five hundred for the rest of the year. And in our heads, we're like, yo, why would this not be – why would we not be able to, to replicate this at a minimum next season? And so for us, we just – we all, like, as a unit, all just had this same this same mentality that, you know, yo, there's no one better than us in the league. We, we can we can go out there and we, we can dominate teams. We can, we can be one of the best teams in the league. And we've just, as a unit, just maintained this mentality. And it's honestly – it's all started with, uh, with Moe's, with Coach Moe's. He's been the – he was the first one to tell us that, yo, we're going we're gonna to be the best defensive team in the league, and we're, we we got a chance to be really good. This group is special. Best defensive team in the league. Now, what is this? So so you got you – people look at your team. Certain teams you know they're going to be good defensive teams, right? Like you get a big rim-protecting center. You got a bunch of switchable wings. Like that looks like a great defensive team. You guys defended well last year. Moe's has leaned into that identity. But you don't look at the magic necessarily and think they have incredible – defensive personnel you got some big guards right you got big wings in Franz and Paolo and Paolo's a power forward but they're younger right um centers you know not exactly guys that have lit the world on fire in the NBA why are you such a good defensive team what's 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 actually like schematically what makes you guys so good I think for us I think it's just all of our mentality is like all right like we all are in a mindset of like all right we're I'm not gonna let this man score me I'm not gonna let this man score me and it's one of those situations where we all have each other's back at the same time. Like, oh, my my, my man gets beat right here? All right, it's cool. I got your back. Don't even worry about that, June. It's just been that group mentality. And it honestly, it started in training camp. Like, yo, when I tell you our training camp, our offense was so rough. We would have – we would play these games where we're barely scoring and we're causing the other – we're just getting stopped, 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 stopped. Both – it would be the, the starting unit and the second unit. All the way down – actually, we had a third unit. We called them the Green Goblins because <laughs> they were our green jerseys. But – um. We all, yo, like, they just, we would just be getting stops after stops after stops. And we just, we do have some great, 
some really great, great high level, what I think could eventually be defensive player of the year candidates, first team all defense guys and Jonathan Isaac and Jalen Suggs. And, you know, I think for me personally, I watched Jalen in that starting unit and he just, the way he just has so much energy and he just guards and that always just amps me up. And so I'm like, all right, like, all right, I got your back. Let me, let me go try to guard like you, Jalen. Now I'm not saying I'm the defender he is, but just, you know, it's just, um, it's, it's just, it's been contagious. It's just this, this, this defensive mindset that Moses is still in us. has just been really contagious. Any any uh, any scuffles or confrontations in those in those practices? Because probably when you're going five on five and keeping score, like it's it happens. Yeah, I mean, we didn't had <laughs> we definitely didn't had a few. Not actually, no, and it never got to know so fist being thrown or anything. But like we didn't got into some verbal arguments, man. I didn't. I know uh, in preseason training camp, I I think I got into it with Moe's one time. Just we was because uh, we just it was just, it was it was so competitive. This is probably the most talented team I've ever been a part of, but. Forget the town. We just end up just guarding five, ten dudes on the floor, just giving it their all in every possession, just on the defensive end. It's just it was it, it was really it was really fun to be a part of, frustrating too, but also very fun. What'd you get into it with the coach about? <laughs> Man, nothing actually crazy. I didn't actually get into it with him, but like I think we was doing like a game, and our second unit we're killing the first unit. We're killing them. We're killing them, and I ended up. It was like a missed call or something, and I just started talking. I just started talking mess to uh one of the uh coaches who was one of the refs. I started talking mess to Moles. It was nothing personal, but it's just like man, we was just so amped up. Now you have on your team Joe Ingles, who's one of the greatest talkers in the recent history of the NBA. What like about Joe, he 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 talks me. Um, just like inside baseball, he once saw me on TV and texted. A photo, and I thought this would be nice. Joe Ingles saw me on TV, and it's a photo of him flipping the bird at me on the television. <laughs> you have Mo Wagner, who is just a walking physical encounter. Just people are falling over. He's hitting people, um, and you're and you're and you guys are kind of playing to the crowd a lot. Have Have you guys had so far like a veteran team or anybody? kind of talk back at you like or 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 say like oh okay you guys like we're coming now we see how you guys are we're coming for you or like you guys are getting too big for your britches or whatever have you had any of that pushback not really not yet i i anticipate that teams will start trying to do this to us but we ain't going for none of that we're a tough group and we I, you know we we do got some tools and joe and i'm with you joe Ingles is the best talker in the nba I'm, I'm with you on that for sure he came in from day one and started talking <laughs> and me and me and him talk, talk to each other sometimes too. Being in the same lineup on the court at the same time. But um we um yeah, I mean I I'm sure it will happen, but just we don't we don't we don't feed into that. We just go hoop. Now if I know Joe, he immediately identifies something about every player that on the team that he's gonna pick at. Like yeah. whether it's fashion, hair, habit. What is oh, his, yeah, he what go, is he, he go with my hairline? He go with my hairline. No, I've been told I've been told to ask you about the hair, and I, you can blame somebody with the magic for this question. Said he he cares a lot about the hair because, well, I'm interested to see if you can answer the question. Why do you think this person told me Cole is very proud of his long hair and is growing it out now? I I don't know what did they say. They said he looks at his dad and he's worried oh. that oh. that's going to happen to him. Hey, I told my pops. I said we're gonna end this. We're gonna that that generation of baldness and Anthony family's gonna end with you. We ain't doing that on this side. <laughs> That's what I told him. I was like, nah. 
we we going we going this is not going to be a generational thing. We we just going to end it with your generation, my generation and on. We're going to have luscious locks. I like it. Um have you have you ever seen the video of him with the shirt? I assume you have in the Suns oh, Knicks sure. brawl. Have you yeah. do, is the shirt exist? I mean, for people who don't know, there's an epic Phoenix New York brawl in like 1993 in Phoenix between Kevin Johnson and Doc Rivers. And the most infamous part of it is Greg Anthony, who's not playing in the game, running onto the court in street clothes, wearing what I would say is an objectively ridiculous button-down shirt that gets torn during the brawl. Does the shirt exist? Have you seen it? And have you made fun of him for it? Um, I have not seen the shirt. I've seen the brawl for sure. And I think he might have told me it might have been Dior or something. I don't know if they had Dior back then, but Ooh, he said it okay. was designer. He said it was a nice shirt, which is surprising because he, he don't he, he can't dress nowadays. But um yeah, I, I think that shirt is long gone, especially after it got ripped. He probably threw that joint in the trash, knowing him. It should be in Springfield. That's where it should be. Um, <laughs> so you guys talked about how you were five hundred the last fifty two, fifty three games of last season and how that sets the stage for this year. Well, you're not five hundred now, you're thirteen and five. You're way over five hundred. How have the goals of your team changed? And do you talk about like, hey, we might be able to accomplish X, Y, and Z? Like at, first, at the beginning of the season, it was like 500 playoffs play in. What is it now? I mean, for us, the thing that Mo said this to us, I think, after we won our first couple games or something like that. And it, he, these are the words I've just been repeating to the team ever since then. He told us, be greedy. And so for me, it's just that's that's I've been saying that to the team. I said it before every game. I say it at halftime every game. I keep telling the essay during practice. I tell everyone, yo, let's keep being greedy. Let's not be satisfied with let's, – let's not put no limit on what we can do. Let's not be satisfied with, oh, we got eight wins in a row. Let's end it right here. Cool. No. It's been – I don't want to even just set any limits on this team because I don't think there's, there's – there's no telling how good we can be. I think that's another thing is that we just we, – we, we've continued to get better. Even in this eight-game span, we've gotten better. We, our offense has gotten better. We've had players on the team get, get better. I've gotten better. I mean, it's just – I don't want to limit us. So, I mean, it's just – it's been fun, man. Have you guys talked about how, in terms of not placing ceilings, you know, the number one team in the East is Boston. They have they have they go deep in the playoffs every year. And you guys just beat the crap out of Boston every time you play them. Is there a reason for that? Have you talked about – Eddie, uh, Eddie House. Explain. Eddie House. He, he was talking – he was talking about us um, uh, early – Last season, when we played them twice in Boston, and he called us pretty, he called us, uh, he called us a, a trash team, pretty much. And we all like to this day, we take that personal. We got, we didn't all watch the clip. We didn't watch the clips as a team. We, we, we always gonna remember what he said about us. So it, 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 it is personal every single time we play Boston. And Boston's a in great the- team. Boston's a great team, but it's just, it's, it's, it will continue to be personal. And we still, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I can't say what I really want to say, but yes. Oh yes, you can. You can absolutely say what you really want to say. Nah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. All right, so, but but in the grind of the regular season, and I'm watching all 30 teams. All the games kind of blend together, and I'm sure they do for players too. But do you stamp those games like when you face an elite team like that, and you seem to have their number or at least play well against them? Does that do you guys? Does that mean more to you, or do you, do those games kind of stick in your mind of like, okay, like we can we can go toe to toe with X Y? I mean, you beat Denver already as well. Um, yeah, I think for us, I mean, I don't, I don't, for me personally, I know that I try to, especially in the NBA, I, this, the one thing I never do is take winning for granted. I'll never take that for granted, especially after my past three years here. Like, 
I, I will never take that for granted. So for me, I try to take every game seriously, and that's why I continue to tell people on the team to continue to be greedy and continue to stay paranoid. And so I don't want to say it's any one specific team that we're like, all right, we got to beat this team. I think it's how we feel about every single team. It's just that every game is personal. Um, you are a six, you might be the six man of your favorite right now. It's a little early. Sixteen points a game, shooting the hell out of it, defending really hard. Always, you know, closing tons of games as, as in the backcourt. You started full time essentially your first two years in the league. Was was the transition um, to coming off the bench difficult for you? How did those conversations with Mo's go? And like, when did you get to the stage of like, oh, I, I'm I'm going to just embrace this and make it make it mine? Um, it probably took me about till halfway through the year last year to really embrace that role. I mean, I kind of in my head, I'm like, all right, man, I'm a starter. So I know I'm good enough to be a starter. I know I'm good enough to be a starter. But it just kind of came to me just like, all right, like I got to throw my ego away. Me and Moe didn't really even have a real conversation about it until probably after last season where and we kind of I kind of told I told him like Moe's like, yo, like, like my fault. Like I, I, I didn't fully embrace that role. That from day one, I'm but I'm here now to fully embrace that. I, I want this team. I want to maximize our potential with this team. So I, whatever you need me to do, whether that's come off the bench, start whatever it is, I'm here to do. Um, you guys are a young team, very young team. Um, I want to go inside the team plane. You're say you're flying from Miami to Boston or across the country. You got a long flight. Uh, who sits like what's the layout of the plane? Who sits with who? What are you doing on the plane? Who's the life of the party on the plane? Is there a card game? Like, take me inside a group of 25 and unders, living it up in the NBA. Yeah, so we, we do have they'll do some card games sometimes. I've never played in any of the card games, but I'll be sitting there watching. Let's see, I sit me and Joe Ingles sit next to each other, and then in front of us is Paolo and A and Anthony Black. To the right of us is like a little that's where we got a little table. Before that's Admiral Scoville, Kevon Harris, Markel Foles, Wendell Carter, and we just I, it, it depends on the day because so, sometimes I might have a lot of energy. I might be up there talking. We play music sometimes. It's 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 really a collective group where we all kind of bring the energy. I probably say actually though most of the time it's Markel, Admiral, and Wendell. Those are they're driving. They're they're making making the yeah, play we, fun. We, we call them the Jank Squad. They all Jank. What squad? The jank squad because they're all janky. So okay, they 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 they, they act very janky, very uh, in character for them. Uh, who's the most feared card shark on the team? Oh, I have no idea. I don't pay attention that much, to be honest. Okay, I don't. Right. I, uh, yeah, no idea. Um, I have heard that there might be. Remember, remember Bobby and Toby, Boban Marjanovic and Tobias Harris, how they became like an NBA odd couple. Yeah. I have heard there's a budding Bobby and Toby situation with you and Goga Batadze, that there's a little <laughs> bit of a bromance there, a little bit of an NBA odd couple romance. Is, is this true? And what is the common ground between you and Goga? Hey, Goga, probably one of my best friends on the team, man. That dude, he's hilarious. I don't know what it is, but we just get along. Like, that's really my dog. Like, I don't know why. I can't tell you why. Boy, ugly. But we just, <laughs> we just, hey. Hey, I just, I just, yo, I just rock with Goga, man. We really got cool because we're part of the same agency. And one of my uh, cats from the agency told me, like, when we first got there, like, yo, like, look out for him. And I'm like, all right, I put my arm around him, be a big brother figure to him, show him, show him the ropes, show him around Orlando. And he just, <laughs> I think from day one, he was just talking to me. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, we're going to get along just fine. 
I, like I heard an, anime or and or Pokemon is is a subject of commonality. Anime. It's anime for sure. No one else really rocks the Pokemon. It's actually young fella Anthony Black does, but that's a me thing. It's not my. It's I gotta be honest with you. I got nothing to bring to the table on on those. I don't. Okay. I I have an eight year old daughter, and I still don't really understand what Pokemon is. They fight each other. Is that it's they yeah. fight? That's all yeah. it is. A bunch you of creatures who fight. Them. You catch them all. Yeah, you know it's fun, man. It's fun. It's fun. You should you should y'all should download Pokemon Go. Uh, you wear you even wear Goga's jersey sometimes during practice, right? I have done that. Yes, I have. Yeah, he um he, <laughs> he wore my jersey and I wore his jersey one day during training camp and. He played like absolutely. <laughs> it was like, yo, I'm not wearing your jersey again. To get this away from me. So I'm gonna saying. be serious. I, I'm gonna be serious for a second about Goga. So you're do you're on an eight game winning streak. Markel's hurt. Anthony Black has come into the starting five. Um, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. is hurt. Your starting center. Goga and Mo Wagner are like the unsung heroes of your team. Like absolutely. Goga, third center, waved by the Pacers. Came into the league as like he's going to be a stretch center. He's going to shoot threes. That didn't really work out on your team. Thrust into the starting five, and is just getting every offensive rebound, protecting the rim. Going instead of a stretch five, he's like a traditional kind of bruising interior center. I mean, and Mo Wagner, he he might be the bat, best backup center in the league right now. I, I yeah. as as a guard who works with both of them, like it must be kind of cool to see these guys who are not forgotten parts of your team but certainly not at the top of the scattering port in the preseason report like those guys have been absolutely massive in in everything that's going on yeah i mean it's dope like i i really it, it, those and those two in particular it's really dope kind of just to see them both succeed because i just i i first of all, i get along great with both of them but like i just i see how hard both those dudes work like i see the work they put in on a daily basis extra hours in the gym late at night early mornings and it's just like I just you just you root for dudes like that, and also I just I like them as human beings. That that makes me want them to succeed even more. But they just they work so hard, man. It's just it, it's it's about time they got a little credit, got a little love, and I'm just I'm super super happy for them, man. Mo Wagner is a six man of the year candidate. So I'll be telling them that. So oh, that's right. Both of you could both of you could be. Although that goes, you know, speaking of Joe Ingles, there was a year where Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson in Utah, I think both were finished in the top three and six man of the year. Jordan Clarkson won, and there was a big debate like. Can two guys on the same team be in consideration for six man of the year? Doesn't one of them have to be the seventh man? And it that when someone said that to me, I was like, boy, that's deep. I never thought of it that way. They're both coming off the bench and playing well. He's been unbelievable. And I'll tell you this: you watch. So when you guys are shooting free throws and he's in the game, so he's you're on offense shooting. So he's yeah. not. He doesn't have inside position, right? Um, most offensive big men in that situation. They're kind of like I'm just gonna get I'm just gonna get back on defense and I'm not really gonna chase this offensive rebound. Mo Wagner, it it must be so irritating for every other big man in the league. Like I gotta box this dude out on free throw rebound. He's like knocking guys over. Do you, you're laughing. Do you guys notice this? Yeah, I mean we got a few guys like that though. Like it's not just him. It's not just him. But like he is. Yeah, Mo is just he's crafty. He's smart. He um and he just he works hard. He plays incredibly hard. So it's like it's 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 man. I just I love to see it. I really do. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you a couple of old quotes from your high school days when you were a New York City high school legend before you went to Oak Hill. Oak Hill, right? You transferred yes, to Oak Hill senior year. Yep. Um uh and you were you were not uh, uh shy on confidence as a high school player, nor should you have been. You were recruited everywhere. Um, this is you, and I want to see how you feel like this if you feel like just how you feel hearing this again. I see dudes like Trey Young and Steph Curry. 
I know I can shoot as good as them, if not better. I, yeah, I, I believe that. I love it. <laughs> nothing, nothing has changed. Nothing has I changed. I'm a little more realistic I mean, nowadays. But shoot, my, I can I can get my percentages up. My percentages are pretty solid right now. They're very solid. I'm just saying, Steph Curry, Steph, Steph Curry, you, you didn't you didn't like time. you didn't like drop Trey Young and you know, who would he? I'm just like another pretty good shooting guard. It's like I'll just throw Steph Curry's name. <laughs> into the conversation. Now I'm going to read what is an NBA scout anonymous. And as regular listeners of this podcast know, anonymous NBA scout is one of my pet peeves in journalism. It shouldn't be allowed. You shouldn't just be allowed to anonymously trash players because you're an NBA scout. But here's yeah. what an anonymous NBA scout said about you when you were at North Carolina quote, he needs to learn to manifest his competitiveness in a more constructive manner. He can be overly demonstrative, especially when his teammates make mistakes. His attitude tends to be the biggest hesitation teams have. What did you think here in that stuff then? And what do you think of it now when I think your bravado, so to speak, is one of your biggest kind of assets as a player? Man, I don't know. I heard, honestly, in, in, in going into my draft, I heard so much stuff about this. Like, oh, man, he's not coachable. Oh, he's got wow. such a bad attitude, stuff like this. And I'm just like, I just I'm I'm in my I'm like yeah that's not me like I want to be close like I don't feel like I have a negative attitude like if I have if I'm getting mad it's the most the person I'm gonna get mad at the most is myself that's and that's I, I always I always try to just control what I can control and always find ways to self improve before I would ever point a finger at another person that's just how I was raised and so it just yeah that's it, it's 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 funny to look back on stuff like that I tell you that it's like. I don't follow high school college ball much at all because I'm just all in on the NBA. When I read stuff like that, I was like, that kind of surprises me. He doesn't play like that. Demonstrative, sure, but like lots of guys are demonstrative. He doesn't play like like selfishly or lash out at his teammates. I that kind of I didn't know that, but you heard that a lot. Not coachable, even you heard. That's a big one. Yeah, I I just I, I, I don't know. I had I've had I just know I've had people apologize to me for even thinking like that. Like I know I got a I got a story on um, with uh with our coach uh, Dale Osborne. Our assistant coach, <laughs> he, he um, because he before he came here, he had, and he's apologized to me for it. Not positive, but he's told me this story. He said, you know, before I came, when I heard I was coming to Magic, and I'm thinking I got to deal with this New York kid, Cole Anthony. I'm thinking he's gonna be a selfish, uh, cocky, just hard to coach dude. And he's like, told me, he's like, he's like, man, because I've never been more wrong. He's like, I just and I apologize for you for thinking like that, but it's just like, and I'm just like, man, I just, I just. I just I, I always feel like I'm a, I'm always myself with everybody, and so I just I, I really appreciated that. But I'm just like yo, like I'm, I I just want to know like where that the where that idea came from. I'm like yo, is it because I'm from New York? Is it because I'm loud? I don't, I don't really know. Um, one of the ways that uh, that one of the reasons that quotes like that surprised me is one of the first things I really noticed about your game and the pros and liked about your game and the pros was you seem for a, a guard. A, what are you six one six two? Six three with shoes. Six was around. We'll say six three. You you seem to really like rebounding, and you get in there amongst the bigger guys and like fly in there and bang around and get contested rebounds. Has that always been something you liked? Have you amped that up in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I, I've been doing that since high school. Honestly, middle school. I used to when I early in middle school, I played. I played big man, then got to high school and just always just loved rebounding. That was one of the things. Like I know that. Where I'm like, all right, like I can separate myself from other guards by doing this. Rebounding is a huge part, and it, it's, it's it's a huge part of the game. You stop the other, you can stop the other uh, 
of the team from getting more possessions. And um, I just know for me, like one of the things that like that's what um that's what Roy Williams told me when he was recruiting. He was like, he's just I just I love how you rebound. You're the best rebounding guard I've ever I've ever seen. And I was like, man, I I, I appreciate that. And so I just for me, I just 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 kept running with it. A lot of my big man teammates don't like when I when I still rebounds from them, as they say. But you know, just try to help the team out, man. <laughs> Well, if you get the rebound, you can just take it up to court. No outlet pass necessary. That's what I said. That's what I be trying to tell him. That's what I be trying to tell him. I'm like, yo, y'all look around. Wait, looking for me. I'm like, we already out. Run. Let's run. Let's get a bucket. Who, who gets the angriest? Who really wants their rebounds? Um, Mo Wagner for sure. Mo Wagner for sure. He doesn't. He doesn't like. I. It's not what. That's the thing I don't understand. If you average eight rebounds versus six, it's not changing your life. I guess. I guess. Hey, I don't, look. I, I, all I look. All I know is, look. If me and him are there for a rebound, I just got so much love and respect for him, man. You got the rebound. I mean, it's all you. It's all you. I, I. I really try to be conscientious of that and try to try to not steal his rebound specifically. Everyone just else. Just make sure. Good. Just make sure you don't do the thing like where two outfielders think they both have it and it hits the floor. And goes out of bounds or something like that. Like that happens yeah. every once in a while when people are overly deferential. Um, you, I don't want to take up too much of your time, so I'll just open I'm the floor good. to you to 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 end it here. Well, okay, if we're good, then I I was told also to ask you about food. I I was told he's a very picky eater. It's Chick Fil A or it's pizza, and that's it. And that's just no hey, way to live. We got to expand the palate. Hey, not true. That was that was my rookie year. That was my rookie year. I'm going to admit to it. That was. It's gotten a lot more diverse. I eat a lot more food. I got a chef now, you know what I'm saying? So gives me right. Gives me right. A chef and a pet lizard? I got two pet lizards. What are like are we talking like like they're right behind me right now, actually? I got them right back here. Are are they I your background's blurry and don't unblur it just for the sake of the lizards? Are they like like lo, like two feet long? Are they dangerous? What kind of lizards are we talking two, about? Both about about two feet. About two feet. They, they're not dangerous. They 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 can't hurt you. Do they just crawl? Like, can you just walk around the house? Are they in? A, are they in a tank? What do Where do we keep them? Yeah, they're both in like tanks, but I, I let them out the house sometimes. Like, with the one I just I could put on my shoulder and chill it for a couple hours, and the other right. one's just like a fat potato, just just fat and just <laughs> he just he, yeah, you know he can't really, really do much. What do they eat? Oh, uh, honestly, now mostly like fruits and vegetables, and then you know a few worms here and there. I don't see. I don't know a lot about lizards. That's that's uh, what so pet lizard is like. All right, not a lot of people have pet lizards. It's interesting. Um, my parents ain't let me have no pets as kids, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna get some. Tried a dog. That didn't work out. That did not work what, out. Why? Um, just too much responsibility. I wasn't ready for that. That's why I'm not ready for kids. This is why. This is but this is this is the number one reason that we do not have a dog. My daughter has been agitating for a puppy for a long time now. My wife is like, no, we're not gonna do it. We're as a like, lot of responsibility. Like, cause it, she correctly states, um, I'm going to be the one walking it at six in the morning when it has to go to the bathroom. You are not, and you are not. And so we will not be getting it. So this is not going to help the cause hearing this on the, on the podcast. Hey, I still might get another dog, but that's a story. That's a conversation for another no, day. Why would you parents, your father who was in a brawl in an NBA game, it was a member of a brawling Knicks team would not let you have a pet. What is the reasoning for this? No, my dad actually has a dog. Okay. He has a dog. So my other two my two siblings that live with him, they all they have a dog. And they probably get another dog soon. My mom is the one who wouldn't let me get a dog. Just because of the was of the responsibility. It's just too much responsibility. Yeah, I guess, but she was probably right, but you know. But it's all good. I will I will open the floor to you to end here. Um 
What is something that the world Orlando Magic have not had eyes on them outside NBA crazy people like me for a long time now. What is something that you would like the world to know about your team, somebody on your team, your market, or just your expectations going forward? I will open the floor to you. Um, I'd probably just say that, you know, Magic is here. We we we're coming. We're and we're ready. We're 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 ready to keep taking these steps forward. We 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 got all the pieces and we we ready to hoop. That's all, that's all I gotta say. It I it's been really fun to watch. Um, you've been really fun to watch, and I appreciate you t- taking a little time to come on the Low Post podcast. Uh, I will see you whether it's in Orlando, where the G League showcase is this year. When you guys come to New York, I'll see. You, I'll say hello. But Cole Anthony, playing great. Thanks for the time. Hey Zach, I appreciate you, man.